I have to ask your forgiveness for a change of title. Uh, I think it was guilt versus grace was the original title for these verses. Um, if it if it pops up, you'll see. Oh, I have changed that, um, but the the obviously the content is going to be the same. Death in Adam, life in Christ. In Romans one seventeen, we're given Paul's uh, theme for the letter to the Romans. And he speaks about the good news, that the good news, the gospel, it is the power of God for salvation to those who believe in it. And that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel and his righteousness is made available to you and me. We have a way to be made right in the eyes of God, to be in a relationship with God, to be forgiven of our sins and that God would come into our lives through his Holy Spirit and change the way that we think and change the way that we live his righteousness on display in our lives. And right up until chapter 5 and verse 12 where we find ourselves this morning, we have looked over a number of weeks now at the that the evilness of the heart of mankind, the exchanging of the truth of God for a lie, the argument that Paul presents to to his readers and his listeners and to you and I is that forgiveness of sin, access to God in a right relationship with him is through one man, Jesus Christ, through one act, his sacrifice, his resurrection and through this one man and through this one act he has effected salvation for all who believe. And, and, and this truth of the gospel that Paul presents and that he, that he speaks through the book of Romans, it flies in the face of, of, of man-made religion, of religious beliefs. 2,000 years ago and today. It's always been that if you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be made right, if you're going to be, uh, be, be, be very, very good religiously, then there's going to be things that you have to do. You're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to pay for it. It's going to be because of some level of character that you've achieved or goodness that you've shown, some ritual ceremony that you continually are involved in. No one from a, from a human viewpoint, no one comes up with a religion that says one person does one act to make you right with God. That somebody else does something for you that you don't you couldn't do it for yourself and you don't have to do it, do it for yourself to, to receive that relationship, to receive the forgiveness, to be made right with him. Man-made religion always says, you want to be right with God, whatever God or their God is in that religion, you want to be made right 
then you have to do, 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 do. You have to give, 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 give. If you sin, you do the wrong thing, you have to do, do, do to earn it back to God, to be earned, to be seen as right. And this is what the Bible talks about as salvation by works. It is self-righteousness, achieving favour with a higher power with God. And so the message of Romans from the beginning to end is that access to God, forgiveness of sins, a relationship with God is not actually something you make a contribution to at all. It is something that is provided by one person, Jesus Christ, through one act, his sacrifice that we've remembered this morning, and it's for all who believe. And that might not be an easy thing to accept, not only in today's world, but back when Paul was writing this letter, not an easy thing for people to actually accept. How can what one person do affect so many? One person, one act, affects so many. History tells us that there have been numerous people that have impacted on the world in many different fields. Uh, Just to give you a couple of examples, Albert Einstein is a scientific genius. Whenever you hear the word Albert Einstein, everyone knows that his, his theories of relativity were groundbreaking and, and you know even now we use his name in in our language just as we talk about you know if you're a smart person oh he's, he's an Einstein or sometimes in a negative way you say you know Sam's no Einstein and you know we use that language but you're very close <laughs> Mother Teresa is a well known uh, a well known name she, was, she grew up through the 1900s in poverty and we know her for her compassion and love for the poor. Across all types of fields, through science and sport, politics, medicine, inventions, theology, there are people who have stood up head and shoulders above the, the average the norm and, and, and have been and have stood out and impacted on the world. But there are two men and one in particular that we're going to talk about and look at this morning that have had the most monumental impact on human life. Two men that have affected the whole of human race for eternity more than anyone else combined. In a single act have impacted the human race. Adam and Christ. Adam, death, Christ, life. Adam is accountable 
and responsible for bringing death into the world. What a harsh statement that sounds like. How could one person, through one act, bring such an effect? And I don't pretend to understand all there is to know about that. But it's in the scripture, it's in God's word, it's in this passage here. And so we need to look at it and study it and talk about it and accept what the truth is. The two greatest influences, death and life. Last week we started with the beginning of chapter 5 and Paul started speaking about the, the, the benefits of belonging to Jesus Christ. That we are justified by faith. That we have access to God by faith. That we live a new, we live life with a new hope. That we can rejoice in our sufferings. Whatever our sufferings may be at different times in our life, we can rejoice in our sufferings for the character change that it can bring about in us when we trust in God. Talks about the benefits of righteousness can be that we the, the, the promise of the Holy Spirit, that we're saved from God's wrath, we're reconciled, our relationship is restored with God through Jesus Christ. And so it comes to verse 12 and he says, Therefore, in chapter 5 and verse 12, Therefore, and he moves into a discussion about Adam and Christ. A comparison. Why do we bring, why does he bring Adam into this discussion, into this passage? He's just presented the facts that in Jesus Christ, by his one work of death and resurrection, there is forgiveness and there is an impact on all who believe and there is benefits in coming by faith and believing in him. One man, by one act, has brought salvation to many. But again, I want to say, and so I don't think this is working, you're able to fast forward to the next point as well, please, Dev, thanks. One man, by one act, has brought salvation to many. And as I said earlier, 2,000 years ago, as there is today, there are people who say, how can one act by one man have such an impact, have such an effect on so many? There has to be more to it. Surely there is a bunch of strict religious rituals that we have to stick to in order to be made right with God. Surely we have to give so much in order to, to, to have through this one act, but plus giving is going to make it right with God. So Paul gives them an analogy. If you're having trouble accepting that Christ through one act, through one man, can have such an impact on so many... Let me take you back and look at Adam. 
another man who through one act has had an impact on so many. And it's essential for us to understand. And before we get to that analogy, which which he, he brings in in verse 15... I just want to look at some of the truths about Adam, sin and death that we see in verse 12 to 14. And as well as Trent read it, I just want to read through it again. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin, by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. I just want to highlight a couple of truths that we, that we see in verse 12, a couple of truths about Adam, sin and death. The first is that sin entered the world through one man. It's a, it's a pretty simple point. It's stated plainly. Sin entered the world through one man. An explanation of why we are like how we are today. An explanation of the, the sort of the, the description of the heart of mankind that he points out in the earlier chapters. Because sin entered the human realm, the human life through one man, Adam. It wasn't invented by Adam. It's not the first time we read about sin, we hear about sin. It wasn't originated through one man. We know that there was sin prior to Adam. Lucifer, the great archangel was the first and original sinner. But sin has entered the world, the created world, through one man. He introduced sin to mankind. Genesis 3 tells of the introduction of sin into the world when Adam and Eve ate from the tree that was forbidden. And I was thinking how selfish of those two. How selfish. You can have everything, just that one thing. Oh, but it quickly reminds me, who am I to say that they're selfish for for what they've done when I look at my own life and how quickly I want to do the things that I know I shouldn't do. The things that God says, that's forbidden, that's not honouring me. Pride and self-centeredness and ego are always at the heart of sin. As it was with Lucifer recorded in Isaiah 14. He said, I will be like God. I, 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 I will be like the Most High. Now when Adam sinned, something dramatic happened. It says sin entered the world. And sin brought a radical change 
into being. Adam went downhill pretty fast. His original perfect identity has changed. Unholiness has become part of the nature of his soul as it has for the human race. Death is now a reality. His life, his physical being would come to an end. It would deteriorate. We know what it's like for our physical well-being to deteriorate. I was asked a couple of... I played tennis uh, regularly a few years ago with Chris and in the team that are plenty, but I haven't played for about a year and a half, I think it is, but I sort of filled in a few times uh, when, when we've needed to. And I, I was asked a few weeks ago to fill in for this team at plenty and we just played locally. Um, of course, I didn't have time or really the desire to do a huge warm-up of running laps or stretching, uh, even though I'm in that sort of great physical state of <laughs> athletic ability. I went to work Thursday, I went and picked the kids up, I did all the things we usually do, bit of shopping, make the dinner, and before you know it, it's seven o'clock, it's time to go. So I rock up to these tennis courts after this day that has just been really normal and of course I just ease myself into the tennis game. You play three sets, I just ease myself into it nice and slowly in the first set, absolutely not. I went as hard as I could the first set and I slowly drifted downwards by the third set. You would think it might be the other way around, peaking in the third on Friday morning, I felt alright Thursday. Went home, watched a few overs of the cricket, realised I've got to get up in about four hours, better to go to bed, went to bed. It wasn't until the alarm went off on Friday morning and I put my left foot down on the ground and I thought, I can't get up. <laughs> and the pain through the heel coming up through the hamstring the calves and then the elbow, uh, the elbow, the elbow and the shoulder <clears throat> and I had to grab onto the chest of drawers next to our bed just to get myself out of bed. How am I going to go to work? And I took a few steps and it's, it slowly got better um, and I'll probably be ready to fill in by March next year <laughs> again. But as the You note there in verse 12, it says through one man's sin, singular, not sins. Not all the acts of sin has come through Adam. He didn't invent all the acts of sin. We're very good at coming up with those ourselves. You can't go murder someone and blame Adam for it. You can't lie to someone and blame Adam for it and steal and blame Adam and gossip and blame Adam. 
the principle of sin, the sin nature is what came into the human heart at the time when Adam through one act and one man brought sin into the world. Adam and Eve were all of the mankind at this time. And once the sin nature came to dwell in them, it has been passed on to all their procreation, all of human existence. And just as we have ears, noses and eyes, so we are corrupted with the sin nature. When Adam sinned, he introduced sin into the human race. That by one man and one act of disobedience, it affected the whole human race. And the second truth that we see is that death entered the world through sin. And that it comes for all. 1 Corinthians 15 says that as in Adam, all die. That's what it says, death through sin for all men. What did God say to them in Genesis 1, uh, Genesis 2, 17? If you eat of this tree, you will surely die. What happened? They ate. There was sin. What's the penalty of sin? Death. Not just for Adam and Eve, but for the human race. Romans 6.23, Raph mentioned it this morning, the wages of sin is death. Everybody sins and everybody dies. Of course, Enoch and Elijah we can make the exceptions in certain circumstances. But we are not made into sinners because we sin. This is important. We're not made into sinners because we sin. We sin because we are born in the sinful nature. I wasn't born perfect. Look disbelieve of that I wasn't born perfect and at the age of four or five I learnt how to sin and lie and cheat and cheating's a big one for us especially in Uno I sinned because I was born a sinner and that is not an excuse I am responsible for my acts of sin, my decisions to disobey God, my decisions to look after my self-centeredness and my ego and my pride at times. But because I was born a sinner, I was born with a sinful nature, I sin and the death principle operates in me as it does in you. We will die. That's a reality. 
unless Jesus comes again. That's another story. It's great. There are how many righteous? None. Paul emphasizes that the sin nature is in all humankind. Nobody escapes because of the sin of one man. One man at one time does the act of sin and we all pay. Human history pays. We don't die because we do acts of sin. We die because sin nature is in us. David said in Psalm 51, 5, Surely I was sinful. When? At four or five? No, at birth. From the sinful, from the time my mother conceived me. Now what proof do we have that the fact that we are sinners. What proof do we have to say that this is who we are, this is what we have, a sinful nature? Well, I've said it a number of times, but death is the evidence of our sinful nature. Because of one man, one act of sin. It is an absolute tragedy to hear, to ever hear of a death of a, of a baby. Uh, I've been impacted by that with people that I love and I'm sure there are people in this room who have been impacted by such tragic circumstances and I don't mean to bring up any pain or when I mention this but I feel it's important for this message that when a baby passes away in a womb or at a young age It's not because that baby has committed an act of sin. It's not because that baby has lied and willfully sinned. It's because the sinful nature is in the human heart from conception. And the reality and the consequence of that is that there is death. Death For the young and death to the old, at some point for the human race, death is on us all. That is why Paul states, from Adam to Moses, when there was no law, there was no official command to break, there was no charge to bring against those people living at that time that you've broken this law, you've sinned, So does it mean there was no sin between Adam and Moses until the law came in? No, absolutely not. How do we know that there was no sin? It says here in, 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 uh, I've got to find it now, in verse uh, 12, no, 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Everyone has been born after Adam's sin under the curse of the sinful nature and everyone dies. Paul says earlier, men 
are without excuse. God reveals himself not only in the law but in nature. In chapter 2 he says the law is written on their hearts. There is an innate understanding of right and wrong in a human being. And where there is human life, even when there was no law, where there is human life, there is sin. And how do we know there is sin? Because there is death. Sin was introduced into the human race through one act of Adam and death is inevitable for all of us. And so it might have you asking, well, why am I responsible How is it that that one act from Adam, when I wasn't even there, I didn't eat from the tree, why am I responsible? Why do I have to suffer the consequences? Why is death reality for me? Why am I born with a sinful nature? It's not my fault. I think it's a fair question. We don't like to be blamed for other people's mistakes, do we? We don't even like to be blamed for our mistakes. I see the only answer Paul ever gives here in Romans. He answers with another statement of truth about how could you ever die in Christ? How could you resurrect with Christ? How could you have life eternal in Christ when you weren't there? at the cross you weren't there being whipped you weren't there being mocked and so there there is a connection it says in verse 14 from Adam to Jesus it it says a pattern or some translations uh Uh, might say a type a type or a pattern Adam is a type or pattern of the one who is to come which is Jesus there is this connection from Adam to Jesus that if I'm under the consequence of Adam's sin by being born with a sinful nature and I'm facing death at some point then just as the consequence is real for me even though I wasn't there, even though I didn't eat from the fruit, even though I didn't do that wrong thing, just as the consequence is real from that one act, through that one man at that time, salvation is real. Forgiveness of my sins is a reality. A relationship with God is a definite even though I was not there 2,000 years ago. I didn't pay the price, but I can experience and you can experience salvation. You can experience forgiveness. You can experience the blessings and the benefits of righteousness, which we heard about last week and we just spoke about before in the earlier verses in chapter 5. You see, if you are only impacted by sin when you first sinned against God, 
If you are only impacted by sin when you first lied, when you first took the lolly and said to mum and dad, no, 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 I didn't do it. Mackenzie did it. I'm giving away who is always <coughs> fibbing to us. But that sort of opens up the that, that, that opportunity for you to say, well, if it's just what I've done wrong against God, then surely I can do something to make it right. Promotes a thought that says it's just my wrongs that have put me in a separate from God, then I can do something about it myself to make me right with God. The religious leaders of the, of the time 2,000 years ago had thoughts like this, that they were upholding the law, that they were not breaking the law, that they lived a life of holiness, of righteousness. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 5 to them? He broke them down. You even think a lustful thought. You've sinned. You think it's just about not murdering? If you even have a thought of anger towards your brother, you've sinned. No one is righteous. We are all under the sinful nature, born in the sinful nature. There is nothing you can do to achieve being made right with God. And so these wonderful verses come to us in verse 15 through 19. Compare the pair is sort of what came into my mind. Compare the pair. This is a lot more important than superannuation. Remember those ads, you know, the guy who's with, I don't even know, the super fund, but... And he goes up or the other one goes down and they're 100,000 in the bank. <clears throat> Both have got the same age, but this one went with... So anyway, you can see how you get distracted when you're studying the Word of God and you're trying to put a sermon together. You start Googling, oh, what's that ad? And you start, oh, such a time-wasting. But as I come to these verses, I have I, just put up a list of the words of comparison from verses 15 down to 19. Thanks, Dad. I want you to note these words. And if you want, you can grab a pencil and, and like I've done, I circled where I saw these words through these verses. Words of comparison. You might end up with a lot of circles because there's those words are found a lot of times in these few verses. But I think they're important. And we just wanna, I just want to go through them and, 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 as, and as Paul makes this comparison, this analogy, to emphasise how great the gift is. 
He says in verse 15, but the gift, the gift is not like the trespass. The gift, as we've already said, Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. Jesus died for your sins. That's the gift. And the gift is not like the trespass. It's not like the one sin in Adam back at the beginning of time. It's not. It's not like that. We'll see in a minute why it's not like that. For if the many died, the many, and we'll see many mentioned a few times, the many here is those who are in Adam. Who's in Adam? The whole human race. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, the whole human race are facing death because of the sin of one man. How much more did God's grace and the gift, Jesus Christ dying for your sins, that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? How much more did God's grace overflow to the many through Jesus Christ? And the many here is not the same as the many who are in Adam, the many are those who are in Christ. Again, verse 16, again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. Why? Here's the comparison. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. One sin through Adam has brought death. A sinful nature. But the gift, oh the gift, Jesus Christ died for your sins. It followed many trespasses and brought justification. One sin has brought condemnation. But the gift, it doesn't cover one sin, the gift covers all sin. Isn't this great, this comparison, this analogy? I love this. For 17, for if, are you circling? Here's more more words to circle. For if by the trespass, the sin of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I know I'm saying it again and again, but through one man, through one act, through one sin, death reigned. Oh, but the gift through one man, through one act. You can reign in life. And I thought about that, reign in life. Do I reign in life? It's not talking about a future reigning. I don't believe it's talking about a future reigning in life as we will with Jesus. 
It's talking about the here and now because you see he talks about the provisions. How will I reign in life? It, it, It says here that God will give you two things. It says an abundant provision of grace and gift of righteousness so that you may reign in life, not death. Reigning in life is only possible when you're saved by his grace. You don't know Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you're not not reigning in life. I don't care how good you think life is for you. When you are saved by his grace and you accept his righteousness, you accept being made right with God, you accept his character and his spirit being in you and changing you. Ephesians 1 says we are chosen to live holy and blameless lives in his sight. That is not something anyone here can do by themselves. It's only something God can do. It's only something God can do through you, through his grace and his righteousness to save you and to change you. Reigning in life is not a lavish lifestyle of cruising the Bahamas and living in mansions. As much as I'd love to cruise the Bahamas, it's not. It's a life that displays the character of Jesus that is honouring to God a life that shows an attitude that death has no sting. Sin has no grip and no hold on me. A life that is expectantly waiting for Jesus to return. Do you reign in life? Reigning in life. Verse 18, keep circling. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men. I think I've mentioned that enough now. So also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. One trespass was condemnation for all men. That condemnation to be condemned is that we're bound by the sinful nature and we are facing death. Death reigns. Oh, but the one act of righteousness has made us right with God. We didn't pay the price Jesus did. But we're justified. We're made right with God through one man. We have life. We're nearly done. Verse 19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many in Adam 
were made sinners. Again, one man, one act, one sin. All in Adam, the human race, are made sinners. Oh, this is good. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many, who are in Christ, will be made righteous. The gift is not like the trespass, as verse 15 says. Oh, no. The trespass brings condemnation. The trespass, the sin of the one man, has had such a consequence. But the gift, my friends, the gift is far, far greater than the sin. While the revealing of the law revealed at the time more and more of who God is and it showed the people just how sinful they are. The level of sin in this world has never and will never be a match for the grace of God to forgive. Never. The sin in your life no matter what age you are, no matter what you've done, will never be too much for the grace of God to come and forgive you. His grace is unending. His grace is greater than the sin of Adam, of King David, his disciples and you and me. Praise God for that. Let's give thanks. Lord, I give you thanks and praise that you don't ask anything of us to do good works, to earn salvation, forgiveness of sins but to simply come by faith, believing that Jesus Christ has paid the price. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for us to be righteous, blameless, and we live expectantly for the day Jesus comes again oh, and we spend eternity in heaven in your presence where there is no death no pain oh but we will worship you forever and ever in Jesus name we pray and we give you praise Amen